Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Happy New Year. So this is the time of, of, the, of the year where we make resolutions, or at least that's the tradition. A lot of people have this idea of making some changes, lifestyle changes. Perhaps they're going to hit the gym or... Uh, do a couple extra crunches in the morning, stretch a little bit, make some diet changes, try new things, set some new goals. I was reading this past week that about 75% of American adults actually, yes, they, we, we make some type of resolution, a goal, an idea that we have. 75% of us actually try. We, we want to do something. But then I, I was also reading that a, a, a psychologist from Ohio State, big win yesterday, right? Uh, a psychologist says that after a difficult year, perhaps resolutions might not be the best idea. Maybe we should skip. Other articles point out that while resolutions are not inherently bad, you know, sometimes they just end up being unhealthy for us because it ends up being this grocery list, this extra pressure that we put on ourselves. It's just more obligations. And, and really, if we're not careful, it, it's just it's an easy setup for failure. Bump set spike. You're going to be you're going to be done by the end of the month, early February. Good luck. External Pressure. And you know what? I, I agree with that. Sure, like let's make goals and plans and all of that. And But you know, we, we want our goals and our commitments to spring up from a healthy place. We want our goals and commitments, our prayer requests to, to spring up from a healthy place, not, not from this external, external pressure. And so kind of thinking about commitments a little bit, I, I'm just playing around with it here. Here's a question for you is not committing to anything. Is that still a type of commitment? You're committed to not committing. In other words, like in terms of preparation is not preparing for anything still a form of preparation. So I think, you know, not revisiting this past year, not reflecting, not learning from mistakes, not setting any goals, not being intentional with anything, not making any changes whatsoever, that's still a type of commitment. As one author would say, it's a commitment to frustration. We are inescapably human, which means we are inescapably sinful. And perhaps there are some sins, some hang-ups, some hurts, some sore spots in your life. But you know what? You're, not, you're actually not making any plans to do anything about it. Same old, same old. Perhaps if that's you, if that's us, we're committing to another year of frustration. Or maybe there's opportunities in front of you, but still, there's just like a lack of motivation. And so today I want us to think about these areas of opportunity, areas of frustration that we all have, but first consider them in light of our gospel identity. And then once we kind of sit in our gospel identity a little bit, and then the second part is, is to give ourselves an opportunity today 
to at least write one commitment or, or goal or plan or request out on a note card. If you look around you, maybe on the seat that you're, you're sitting in, there should be a note card and a pen. That's going to come in handy in a little bit. But first, let me be clear. I don't want there to be any external pressure in terms of what you're going to write down on your card in a few minutes. If you wish to participate, any commitments, any goals that you make today, I want them to spring up from within you. So we're going to be using Colossians today to to stir us up, the book of Colossians. So let me take you to Colossians chapter 2. First, let's talk about our our gospel identity. So uh, Paul, he's writing to this ancient church, and through the power of, of the Holy Spirit, he is writing to us today, and he reminds us, Church, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Right? We used to be dead in our sins. Our old nature, that twisted up, bungled up, just messed up, the, the evil missing the mark. We were dead in our sins. Our old nature equals death. We used to be uncircumcised, meaning like we're, we're outsiders here. If we were taking a look at Colossians from a, a broader uh, scope here, uncircumcision uncirc- uh, is, is tied up thematically with, with baptism. All right, all right. We, we were outsiders. Outsiders, the old nature, we're not in. We are out. We're dead. Okay, But, Paul says, we're alive with Christ. This is the power of the resurrection in the believer's life. We are alive with Jesus Christ. This is our current reality. We are spiritually alive. So what that means is we can be physically alive but spiritually dead. Jesus is the one who makes us spiritually alive. And there's more good news. God forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So the the written code, the Old Testament law, all these rules that are impossible to keep, all of that is gone, it's vanished, it's nailed to the cross. This also could be a reference to the sin, the, the sin debt that Adam piled up, and he piled up high. All this debt, It's canceled. It's been paid in full. It's been nailed to the cross. One commentator says that during this this time, it was was customary to cancel a bond by nailing it to a post, fixing it to a post. To kind of contextualize to our present day, I think of our driver's license. When they expire or get suspended, they punch a hole in it, right? Right? Okay, it's like this driver's license is no good. I think they do that to passports and probably like everything. Yes, like punch a hole in it. It's done. It's dead. It's, it's not good anymore. The, the legal code. I just imagine for some reason it's a scroll in my head, this big scroll. And it's just like, here's all the stuff that is against you, Cameron. But there's a big hole punch in there. 
It's canceled. Jesus canceled it. And what does this mean? It means that we can fully enjoy our new nature in Christ. We are made alive. Made alive. The old nature nailed to the cross. It's died with Jesus. It's buried with Jesus. The good news is it stayed in the grave. So who are we, church? Who are you? You are a new creation. You are no longer dead. You are alive. Are you in debt? No, you are forgiven. Are you dirty? No, you are washed clean. You are triumphant in Christ. The Old Testament and Isaiah says that, that God washes us white as snow. Other verses in the New Testament were delivered from the dominion of darkness. Also, there is no more condemnation for those in Christ. Jesus, this is who you are. Paul adds, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We don't have time to unpack powers and authorities too much today. It could be the demonic, evil, unseen, the false gods that, that slip into society and, and all of that, social and political structures, other ideologies that, that get out there. Perhaps it could be angels. It could be Rome. All right, basically, it's, it's the dark cosmic forces. This is what I like to think of it as, powers and authorities. The, the dark cosmic, cosmic forces that get into the structures of God's world. We know the structures and the institutions in our world, they're not inherently bad. Government isn't inherently bad, but we just know, it's hard to explain, there's just, it just seems like there's this evil unseen that is in there, messing things up. Education system, church institutions, there's powers and authorities. But the point is this, these powers and authorities, they have been disarmed. And Jesus has triumphed over them. Now, Paul, Paul uses a first century illustration here, public spectacle. What does that mean? All right, Roman generals, when they would win, when they would have a big victory, they would come back to town and they would put on a parade. They would take their losers and drag them through the, the streets, the slaves. Sometimes they would, you know, I, I just imagine that, you know, dragging them, you know, let's show them off, look at the losers, now crucify them. Piles of helmets and swords and shields. Just here's all the treasure and plunder that we've got. Roman generals would show this off. All right. The Eagles play Washington football team today, right? When the Eagles win later today, can you imagine the Eagles dragging Washington football team through the streets of Philadelphia? And the whole city is joining in with this victory dance. All right, maybe don't imagine it because, you know, Philly has a reputation. But, like, that's, that's what we're talking about here. We get to join in with Jesus' victory dance. He makes the powers and authority and authorities a public spectacle. God shames the authorities and the powers. By conquering them in the most paradoxical of all places. 
The cross. The Roman cross. The one place that symbolized the, the fullest extent of Rome's dominance. This is the place where God shows up. And this is where he disarms them. The cross. The cross. The old rugged cross. Reserved for criminals. Let's maximize humiliation. Let's maximize torture. It also sent a message. We are Rome. We will crush you. We will conquer you. We will put you down. But God's like, no, the cross becomes a place of victory. The lowest place in the ancient world. Being nailed to a Roman cross. God takes that and turns it into a place of victory. In Jesus' death, we get life We're alive. We are forgiven. Our debt is canceled. It's taken away. Where is it at? It was nailed to the cross. It died with Jesus. It was buried with Jesus. And oh, the audacious love of God to take a Roman cross and death of all things and just turn them upside down. And so we have this amazing gospel, this amazing good news spoken over us. We are alive. We're forgiven. We are triumphant with Jesus. We get to join in with the victory, victory dance. Now, do you believe, in light of all of this, if this is true of you, can you enjoy life? Do you believe that you can live free? And this is why we need to sit in our gospel identity. We need to know these things that are spoken over us. That God looks at us and we're forgiven. We come to him with our sins and he forgives us. We're alive. Gospel identity is is huge. And maybe just take a, a second right now and just say, God, make this real to me. I need to know this stuff. In the deepest parts of who I am, I need to know that I'm alive, that I'm a new creation, that I am free and victorious. And then it's out of our gospel identity. Once we get our identity established, it's out of our identity. We get to start talking about practical steps. We can talk about goals and commitments and things like that. And so Paul has some practical steps for the new human remade in the image of, of Christ. Now there is some tension here. It's this already not yet type of language, okay? Because Paul's like, he's like... Singing over us, screaming over us. You guys are no longer dead. You're alive. This is who you are. This is who you are in Jesus Christ. Paul says that like it is solid. It is established. But yet there's there's this not yet side of things that we need to wrestle with. Because we're not in glory yet. There are things that can still hinder us. So now let's jump to Colossians chapter 3. Paul is going to walk us through it a little bit. And and we're not going to unpack it like how we we normally do. What we're going to do today is just let the Holy Scripture just wash over you. And I want you to listen in to to what Paul has to say about some practical living here. And, And perhaps as you think about who you are and as you think about the new year... Perhaps something is going to stir up inside of you. There we go. Out of our gospel identity, we can make.
practical steps. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. All right? You already have a resurrected identity. Keep your eyes on the resurrected king. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. You don't have to worry about death or where you're going to end up if you are in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer of Jesus. You don't need to worry about where you are because where you are, you are already with Jesus. Your location with Jesus is right now. You are hidden with Christ and God. That's where you are spiritually Located, And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And the next Paul, he gives us a huge call to action uh, list. And again, it's that, that, that already not yet type of tension. Okay, these are things that we need to pay attention to. These are things that we need to get rid of. Uh, these are the things that we need to nail to the cross. Put to death, therefore... Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. As Matthew Henry puts it, if we don't kill these things, these things will kill us. These things have power, too much power that, that we, we let them have over us. Power to destroy. Power to hurt ourselves and others. But remember, church, who you are, you have resurrection power. You used to walk in these ways, Paul says, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. New humans, resurrected people, say no to this stuff. Say no to this pollution. We all come to the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. But also in Christ, the power that we have, the power of resurrection that lives inside of us, we all have that as well. Therefore, Paul says, now that we know who we are and what we're supposed to take off, Paul gives us some more instructions here. This is how we live. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Church, we get a new wardrobe. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And then Paul, this whole practical section here, he he shapes it down essentially to a doxology in verse 17, to the good and precious name of Jesus. And, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you say, whatever you do, drench it in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in light of the new year, in light of the new you, your gospel identity, the you that is alive in Christ, the real you, what do you want to do in the name of Jesus this year? What did you hear today? Was there something... In your gospel identity, something that, that needs to be corrected. Maybe a little lie that you're believing about God or yourself. As we look at the practical side of, of Christian living, maybe, maybe there's something negative that you want gone from your life. Maybe there's something positive you want to add in there. And so now I invite you to grab your card and a pen. I want you to think about... What needs to go this year? What's trash? What do you need more of? What temptations do you give in over and over again? What was good for you this past year? These are just multiple questions here. What kind of rest do you need? What do you need more of in your life? What boundaries do you need to set? Where are you frustrated Where do you want to grow? And so I invite you now, if you would like to, if you'd like to, I want you to make a commitment to God or a goal, an action step, a plan, out of your gospel identity as a new human in Christ. I'd love for you to take this note card now and write at least one thing on that card Something that perhaps you you heard today. Something that you're wrestling with or or something that just kind of dropped into your lap. Something that stirred up within you over the last 20 minutes here. And again, it could be something to get rid of. It could be something to add. It could be something spiritual, relational, physical. It could be related to family, holiness. It could be related to the church, to education. Are Are there books you want to read? And again, as, as we make plans, I believe if they come from a healthy place from within, that's a good place to start. And whatever you write down today, it's a prayer request. It's the beginning of your prayer journey this year. Okay? Whatever it is on your card, let the cross speak to it. Is it something that needs to be nailed? Or is it something positive? I don't know. It's between you and God right now. We're just keeping it simple. If you'd like to bring others into this, into your journey and, and, and t- tell and share about what's on your card, that's awesome. Right now, today, this is just between you and God. 
And what's on your card is a prayer request. What do you want to do in the name of Jesus this year? What do you want to do in the name of Jesus this year? Nailing something old. Nailing down the old. Putting on the new. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. The beautiful name of Jesus. Let's pray.